today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The province's financial accountability office is out with their annual report about how our government here in Ontario is spending their money. Uh, one of the takeaways from it is that the province did not spend, according to the numbers, one single penny of the $2.7 billion that was given by Ottawa to help address COVID-19 concerns. I still remember that announcement, talking to the minister involved, and I thought, this is great. Boy, the province could really use that. Global's Dave Woodard has some details. It's disgraceful. It's shameful. It's monstrous. Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath says that $2.7 billion could have been spent on any number of things. To support communities, to support businesses, to support uh, the health care system. But she says this is all on Ford, calling him a penny pincher when people really needed the help. Doug Ford refuses to invest the dollars necessary to help us uh, tackle this uh, this virus. A statement from a spokesperson of the health minister says that the $2.7 billion is for the entire fiscal year, not just the first three months. The spokesperson also says some of the money has been spent but won't show up in the ledger until the second quarter. Dave Woodard, Global News. Well, I guess we can take the province's explanation uh, at uh, face value, but uh, I want to get some uh, some feedback on this. John Stapleton is uh, going to join us in just a couple of minutes, uh, and John has extensive uh, experience uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with people in, in the province of Ontario, social service agencies, uh, especially uh, through his work with the Ontario government for so many years. And, and, and this is what we need to get into because, you know, you've got the report uh, the, in this particular case, uh, this is an independent report. This is not a government agency. They're supposed to look at the numbers, not unlike what the uh, Auditor General does. And they're basically saying, here's what the numbers tell us, and here's where the money was allocated. And uh, this is a red flag when this sort of thing comes up. And I know this is not the first time that there's been some controversy about what has been spent or not spent by the government. And invariably, uh, the government response is always the same. Oh, you guys don't understand the numbers. Uh, we'll, you know, We'll get back to you that. So let's uh, bring John Stapleton into the conversation here, social policy researcher and consultant. John, a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining on with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Well, extensive service, over 28 years in public service for the Ontario government. I mean, you've seen them all. You've seen different political approaches to these uh, concerns in the province of Ontario. Uh, so, uh, you know, nobody's got a better perspective on this. I think you do, John, from your uh, your point of view. Uh What's, what's your read on this? I mean, the accountability office is saying, look, we're just showing you the numbers and we're telling you what the numbers tell us. Uh, the government tends to get defensive about this. All governments do. Uh, but if, if the numbers are true here, and this is, this is a glaring omission that, um, with all the, the concern and all the talk we've had about what we really need here to try to combat COVID, uh, I, I gotta tell you, that's a lot of money that could have come in pretty handy. Yeah, uh, basically what happened is that they have a new program called the Time Limited COVID-19 Fund that put $2.2 billion in un- unallocated funds in, but as the FAO news release reports that the funds would be available in the second quarter, but it didn't make it into the, uh, it, it didn't get it, make it into the account in time so uh they're they're saying it's a time time issue and that's um consistent with what the what what the what the government has said yet uh just it's incredible to think that they're actually underspending at a time when i i think we've talked before we said uh you know you save up your uh your your money and you take your unallocated funds and you have them there for a rainy day well this is a rainy day and so you'd expect that money there are so many different ways you could have spent it uh, I will tell you that the backstory in all this is the huge amount of underspending in social services. If you go through the numbers and you plow through them, you see that they're 11% down in what they were expected to spend. And most of that 
um, is uh, honestly in uh, much lower welfare caseloads and much more lower disability caseloads, and nobody expected that during the pandemic. Maybe if you could walk us through the process a little bit without getting too heavily into the weeds about how this works. When the Fed's making an announcement like that, John, and it's a considerable amount of money, I, I know we all had this, this you know, sense of relief that, thank God, help is on the way. Uh, the check doesn't come the next day, I mean, after they make the announcement. Is, is it a long, involved process? I mean, we always hear about government red tape. Is this you know, you know, years, years ago, it used to be checks, and somebody would fly them in from Ottawa because you lose so much interest back in the days when we used to actually get interest on these accounts. But, uh, no, that, that money is placed on their books, so to speak. And as soon as the commitment is made, then they can start spending it against it. So, uh, in the, in the modern era, we don't have to worry about, uh, transfers and funds and that sort of thing. The, the money's there and then they can start, uh, getting it out the door. Well, with that mind then, and if that's the process these days, uh, as you say, there's a big long list of things and, and places where, the, where that money could have gone. You'd think they'd start spending it the next day. Well, yeah, and they and they could have done so, and they uh, and they could, um, in fairness to them, that the, the certain spending that they just didn't get on the books in time, and that's why the FAO is saying that they're underspent. Uh, by the same token, they have massive understands in a lot of programs, mainly because there's pandemic benefits out there, and because people are getting the CERB and the C and the CRB and and all these other uh, uh, programs and wage subsidies. Uh, the call that uh, ordinary residents and citizens have on our social services programs have gone down dramatically. I mean, we have 120,000 fewer people. Uh, on uh, Ontario Works, which is our welfare program, so that's down by about 20%, and uh, and where you'd think a lot of them would go to the disability program, but it's down by 15,000 people, too. And that type of, uh, you know, that's uh, that's hundreds of millions of dollars that, uh, that are not being spent because uh, we don't have newcomers coming into the country. That's all stopped, and we got people who would ordinarily be on social services programs that are... Uh, uh, that are on pandemic benefits, and it's just unexpected. So, yes, you could get a whole bunch of money out the door by, uh, you know, putting out some spe- – the, the government put out a special payment to uh, people with disabilities last year, but they didn't reprise that in, uh, you know, in 2021, which they well could have done. It's been a, a good glop of that money that we're talking about. But, John, doesn't that give us a false sense of security? They say the numbers are down. Uh, that may be the headline, but as you say, it's not going to be forever. Eventually, those programs are going to dry up. Where do those people go that have been living off the, the, the CERB and others for the longest while? They're, they're right back down in, in deeper in the hole, aren't they? Yeah, and, and that's sort of exactly the point. When you look at a, take a snapshot, which is just a qu- uh, one quarter or three months of, of spending, and, and we're in this uh, oasis, we're in this eye of the storm, so to speak, where, uh, in, in the sense that these, all these programs are going to end and people are going to start coming back on. I guess the government would make the point that, look, we've got to keep some money in reserve for when the, when the floodgates open again, when rents start to go up, when public housing rents go up, when, uh, and, and newcomers start coming back into the country and need, uh, need assistance. So uh, I, I, I'm sure that's the point that they would make, that maybe we didn't spend it this quarter, but we'll sure be spending it uh, in, in quarter. Uh, yeah, so I, in many I, I ways, know. Yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I know the minister said, you know, the money's all been allocated, although they weren't specific about that. So, I, I you know, like I say, take it at face value what they're saying. But if that's the case, and if they are putting money away for a rainy day, you could make the point, and I think you did at the beginning of our conversation, this is the rainy day. It's a monsoon, as a matter of fact. It's not just a rainy day. Uh, is, is that money that's going to be allocated towards a discussion about how, you know, we're going to look after these people, the, the, you know, the ones who are in much of our need? I mean, does that mean we're going to have a conversation about some of the things we probably should be talking about here, like living wages and uh, assistance, rent assistance and things of this nature? Uh, you'd like to think that's going to be part of the solution, but different governments, as you know, over all your years in public service, take much different approaches to these sorts of things. Yeah, and uh, and the PC government has not, uh, in all the 11 years that they, they've been in the office, or 12 years, going back to 1995, have not given a single social assistance rate increase to people on, uh, you know, mainly people who are, have disabilities. And uh, even between 2018 and now, uh, there's been 6% in inflation, and of course inflation is starting to speed up, and they haven't given a single rate increase. You know, when you're sitting with a, with a couple of billion dollars in your pocket, you might want to think about people with disabilities. Well, and part of that was based on misinformation. I, I'm not going to get into the realm of fake news, but yeah. I mean, you know, even some of those policies that were developed way back in those days, John, as you know, were based on, on on the falsehood that well, most of the people that are drawing those checks are, are you know they're malingerers, they're they're fakers, they're ripping off the system, and there was never any number to substantiate those points of views. But I guess a lot of people embraced it because it's what they wanted to believe. Yeah, I th- and it's like the whole debate that we're having right now about you can't get people, uh, good, uh, you can't get people to work in the restaurants and in the, in the malls and that sort of thing, and they're not going back because they're getting pandemic benefits. Yet at the same time, uh, a lot of those jobs uh, uh, really don't pay very much. They certainly don't pay a living wage, and uh, and uh, yeah, people are trying trying to see if they can. Uh, get work that's actually going to be able to allow them to make ends meet or otherwise uh, uh, why wouldn't you wait till the pandemic benefits uh, uh, phase out but at that time people are, are going to have to go back to, to those jobs because there there won't be uh, any choice but people like who 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 can't work people with disabilities uh, of various sorts that that disallow them from working those that's where an, an awful lot of this uh, unspent money could have gone and the uh, government has been silent on that and that's part of the problem too i mean the, you know the critics and, and god knows there were enough of them especially on social media tend to lump all those people together don't they john whether it's uh you know social assistance check means oh, you're just living off the government uh, it, there are people there's a segment of that population that just cannot work for physical or psychological reasons whatever the case might be could be the result of an accident i mean two weeks ago they probably or two years ago they might have been able to work but you know things happen life happens to people and puts them in a much different predicament and as i know so many experts have talked to us about uh, there, but for the grace of God, go all of us. I mean, one little flick, one little turn of events, uh, you know, uh, can change your life forever. And all of a sudden, you're looking for the government to say, "Can you help us out here?" And uh, the the money just hasn't been there for the. And it's as you say, it's going back a number of years. It's not just during the pandemic. Yeah, and and if you look at it in the broader perspective, uh, uh, and all the money that goes out in various income security programs, from old age security to CPP, you name it. Um, 
social assistance and where people are always looking to see people who are malingering uh, makes up less than 10% of all the money goes, goes out. So arguably, we're all on those programs in, in one way, shape, or form. And, and there's, no, there's no real good point in sing, singling out the recipients of some programs versus others. The very people who are saying that, uh, that, that, that there are poor people that shouldn't be getting those programs are, are greatly benefiting from income security programs themselves of all kinds of different sorts. Well, I've always found it to be a kind of a, an incongruity here that governments boast about the fact that they look after young families, you know, with the child benefits, and they look after retired people with CPP and other programs. Uh, but that large segment of the population that are working under very trying circumstances in some cases, uh, they're, they're reticent to act, uh, actually, you know, say, okay, these people need our help as well. And as you know, we've talked about this on the program many times, other jurisdictions in other parts of the world get it. They understand that. They look at, you know, it's not a handout, it's a hand up uh, so that those people can be contributing. I mean, I, we've all heard the stories about somebody who works a shift at Tim Hortons and then has to go home and, you know, make a quick lunch for the kids and then go off to another job. And that's to pay the rent and hopefully put groceries on the table. Uh, and, and, you know, you say, well, get a better job. Well, that entails education. How do you do that? There's so many challenges here that you'd like to think that governments would understand the predicament that these people are in. Yeah, in some ways, Canada's a, a, an outlier, as you say. We we are very good at, uh, and political parties, certainly during this election, are very good at talking about how they want to take better care of the bookends of our society in terms of our children and our seniors. Uh, and that's where all the money's going, and that's where the increases in spending has been. But when you're talking about working-age adults, the people who are supposed to be uh, working and uh and, and, and sort of the the the, uh, the the actual spur behind most of the economy uh, are the ones that we help us the least. And, and like you say, that's not true in other countries. And even when we look down to our neighbors to the south, that we always think are doing less well than us, uh, they do better at it than we do. And uh, and that's a hard that's a hard pill for us to swallow. Because they understand the the, the, the impact that this has, uh, that it, it does lift people up. It gives them to paying better jobs. Uh, you know, even the living wage. And we, you know, Hamilton, as you know, was part of the pilot project for that under a previous government. And, uh, and, and it made all kinds of sense. In other words, it, it, we know that 99% of the time when you, the, the, those people are on living wage, they spend the money here in the community. It, it, you know, they don't put it in a bank account in the Cayman Islands. They, it, it helps the whole economy in situations like that. So there's, there's a, a win-win situation here uh sadly too many governments seem to think short-sightedly though and just look at it as a huge expense and they don't really consider the, the payback down the road for these sorts of activities yeah you need and, and you also need a certain amount of money just to be in the labor market right now sure. for somebody who's uh, on our ontario works program our basic welfare program the map you can get to 733 a month well where i live in scarborough ontario i can tell you can't you can't get a, a, a room to share with somebody else for 600 So where are you going to get the money, not only just to eat but while you're missing meals, but you don't have any money for a bus pass? Now, how are you going to get to work? How are you going to groom yourself? How are you going to be job ready on that kind of money? You just can't do it. So you, you need a certain amount of money just to be able to reach that ignition point to be part of the the, the working economy. And if you, and you have too little, then... Uh, that's what's going to keep people on assistance for years. It's not that they're getting too much. They're getting way too little. And I, I know that puts a huge, huge burden on uh, some great social service agencies that we have in all communities, London, Hamilton, Toronto, they all have them. 
uh, but you're relying on, on basically you're looking at private sector donations and philanthropy to do that. And, and that's, you know, God bless the people that do help and contribute in that way, but it's, it's not going to cover the cost. Yeah, and especially when we start to see these rent moratoriums and uh, eviction moratoriums and public housing rent moratoriums come off, at the very time where we're seeing higher inflation and people are starting to pay more for things, uh, uh, that's exactly the time when the, all these pandemic benefits are going to end. So you're getting squeezed both ways as we win, tails you lose. You know, it's, it's going to be quite something over the next year. Well, uh, there is a provincial election coming up next year, too, in uh, June of 2022, and I'm, I'm sure that this is going to be part of that discussion and debate. John, always a pleasure to get your perspective on this. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. John Stapleton, social uh, policy researcher and consultant. As I said, spent over 25 years in uh, uh, public service, of course, for the Ontario government, with different governments of all political stripes, of course. Uh, so he uh, has a great perspective on all of this stuff. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.